Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. And this week we're going to touch on something that we kind of rolled into the last couple weeks with requirements gathering and the software testing approach. And this is the you know software, de- software deployment side of the house. And so this week we're going to kind of be talking about software deployment, which is part of the software development, you know, life cycle. And when we're talking about, you know, software deployment, we're talking about there's many facets of it, many different mediums where how you get that software to be deployed. Either A, you let somebody download it, B, you send them a, you know, a disk or you send them a, a USB drive, depending on what your delivery method is that incorporates to your deployment method. For example, like Microsoft does a direct download for software upgrades. Most of the time it's an OEM product that they give you and they install it on a laptop or desktop prior to your purchase. Um, You know, in many different ways, we deploy software to our own individual environments. You know, and we're talking about, you know, software deployment, you know, what are you kind of thinking of from the OT standpoint? Uh, from the OT standpoint, a lot of times the uh, programs are uh, developed off-site via virtual commissioning. And um, the programs are sent from the programmer or the engineer, control engineer that's in charge to the um, control engineer on-site. And what will happen is, is he'll send the program to that guy and that guy will uh, simulate it. And then he'll download that program to a machine, coordinate it through production, and then they verify functionality. So uh, that could be via Dropbox or it could be via uh, a direct connection on, on a server. You know, that kind of sounds kind of familiar to how we do it in IT. You know, when we're talking about doing, you know, software development, usually we have three different environments set up. Usually we have the test environment, the integration environment. And the production environment, which everybody sees, no one gets to see the integration environment or the test environment, unless we're doing like a UAT or or um, uh, an IVNV or or something like that that we're working on. So usually, when we're testing our our you know, um, our software, like we were talking about in the last episode, we're using a test environment. It's a bare bones test environment. It doesn't have a whole lot of extra connections or anything like that to the outside world. We move into the integration environment, we begin our integration testing, kind of like what you all would do with your uh, virtual commissioning, where we may have things hooked up to simulate real-world um, environments and stuff like that as we move forward. Then once it sacrifices, you know, not really sacrifices, but, you know, satisfies that uh, particular test, the integration test of, of all things, which you heard us talking about before, then we go in and do a full deployment to our integration environment, be that on a bare bones environment, or we upgrade 
you know, through incremental upgrades because, you know, in the IT world, you know, I don't know if y'all do it in the OT world or not. We do incremental updates and then we go to massive up, um, upgrades. So we'll do a deployment. So it'd be like 1.00 is your first initial deployment. Your incremental update or incremental deployment is like 1.01 or 1.05 and so forth. And then, you know, you go to your next major, your next major deployment, which is 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and so on. But everything still follows that same deployment pipeline. And I don't know, do y'all do that in the OT standpoint? So for us, uh, far as deployment of software, once the software has been proven, uh, far as functionality for what the customer acts for, um, then you would do what we would call continuous improvement or debugging. Mm -hmm. uh, all scenarios uh, will not present themselves because um, interaction with people, interaction with equipment, interaction with process would all have to be, and you cannot, um, you could, but it's not cost effective to try to simulate every possibility. Right. From a OT standpoint, the only time that a, say, an incremental change, because OT doesn't change as much as IT, uh, is if we had some firmware updates that, that either um, resolved an issue with the software mm -hmm. or added additional functionality or it was some security benefit from it. Uh, but for the most part, they we lock in firmware versions and the program is a living uh it's a living program so of course you're going to always do continuous improvement maybe some functionality that we didn't originally uh plan for is uh necessary now because production said hey well we want to do it this way right so from that standpoint that that's all the time mm -hmm. but far as from when we're talking deployment really the only time we're uh doing a deployment in the same sense as IT as if we're doing something with firmware or we're adding uh, a brand new functionality for the whole line or we're changing the way the line works itself. Right. So you guys aren't really, you know, too focused on, you know, getting rid of your added features um, that at one point used to be called bugs. Um, you know, and that's another reason why, you know, in IT we do, you know, deployments is to get rid of those, you know, pesky unwanted features that, you know, magically pop up, um, you know, during the during the life cycle. You know, we do those. We do um, security hotfix deployments. So if we got a patch like what happened recently to Log4j, um, we will do a, a deployment to fix the Log4j vulnerability. Um, so we've done that. Um, that's stuff that we kind of focused on. And even with a log4j, you know, vulnerability, if we're going to talk about, you know, software, uh, um, security software deployments, we still went through the whole test integration and production environment testing, even though all it was was changing one part of the code. So it wasn't changing an entire code set, but it was changing one portion of the code inside the Java, you know, library. However, you know, that's been, you know, rectified and we don't have to worry about it again. But it's also when you start talking about deployment, you start talking about different deployment uh, pipelines. So is it going to be like an Azure pipeline where it is up to the locality to, you know, pull their update or 
you know, kind of like what you would do if you had a, you know, Windows upgrade going on, on your laptop. You know, would you pull that upgrade, which is, you know, part of the pipeline, or it's just a downlink where it's from central pushed. You know, it's a pushed update. You know, you have those different type of deployments, and then you have the bare bones, hard metal, you know, deployment deployments where it is, you start from scratch. You know, you blow it all the way, and you start over again. You know, and so... Like IT, we have multitude ways of, you know, sending out a, an update or a deployment to our equipment, you know, and I know that sometimes, I don't know if y'all have the same, you know, way of pushing updates like what we do, but, you know, kind of when you're doing, you know, pushing updates to, you know, equipment, you know, what, what are you kind of just kind of doing? So first step for us is uh, we uh, go over the logistics of uh, making a, making an update. Uh, then we will uh, first uh, deploy it to the test environment. Um, once we deploy it to the test environment, we check functionality and to see if we have any instability. After that, we will arrange for um, spot testing. So we will pick a, a few machines that are not um, production critical. We will try it on those machines for a week. And if we do not experience any problems, then the deployment is arranged to be done outside of production hours for um, a zone. So mm -hmm. we'll do a zone and verify that that zone works. After we verify by zone, uh, we'll deploy it to the whole shop. With the uh, with the intention, or with always keeping in mind, if there's a problem, we have a way to roll, a way to roll back to a known um, version that works. Uh, so for us, it's, it's more of a, we are strategic in how we do it, mm -hmm. do the uh, deployment, because uh, dis disruption to production is more um, critical as opposed to uh, we had disruption, disruption into the uh, office environment. So disruption on the shop floor can uh, cause a company to uh, lose money, so we keep all those things in mind. But the big thing is, is um, we verif we test these things in a virtual commissioning environment. So we'll run a virtual machine with an instance of uh, whatever software we're using. Say if we're using Siemens S7, we'll run an instance of that. We'll run whatever code change that we're wanting to do because we found some bug or we found some functionality that uh, doesn't quite work like we want it to, mm -hmm. or production acts for some functionality that we originally didn't program. So all those things have to be tested and vetted and uh, verified. And we always do it um, in steps so that we don't affect the whole plan. Mm -hmm. So it's like an incremental rollout then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's kind of like what we do. If, you know, when you start talking about, you know, production relevant, you know, scenarios and stuff like that, you know, IT, we definitely have our, our fair share of if something goes belly up, we're all kind of in trouble. Um, but, you know, with that, we still believe in the fact that you must have a rollback plan. You know, if something gets into the integration environment or into the production environment, and for some certain reason, the production environment just doesn't like the software and it does not want to work well with each other. And you start seeing you have massive issues that you didn't plan for, you know, hardware is different, which it should never be. Um, and then from there, you know, we have the ability to roll back, like you said, to an earlier working known version. 
you know, the last version that we undeployed, we're now redeploying the working version, which, you know, could take the same amount of time to deploy. The old version is addicted to deploy the new version, depending on how it is. And, you know, you were talking about y'all use, you know, virtual commissioning while we use like hard servers and whatnot if we can. But, you know, we have a theory, and this goes back to how we test things and also how we, de how we deploy them, is every single environment should be identical. So your test environment should be identical to your integration environment, which should be identical to your uh, production environment and should have the same exact type of hardware inside of it. You might not have all the same connections, but you should still have the same hardware. Um, just so you know that you are hardware independent. Um, if you have a couple connections like PLCs or whatnot connected to the, you know, the, the IT environment for us to test with, then, hey, you know, we're all for it. However, it's still one of those things of as long as it's the same hardware we use, then it's hardware independent at that point. Um, so, you know, do y'all believe in or use hardware independent? Do you all use your system to be hardware independent or is it more or less like all for one and one for all? So... In the OT environments, you, you normally deal with two types. When we say virtual virtualization, we, we mean um, you can run a instance of a virtual machine from a uh, client out in the field and simulate those signals with, like, say, PLC SIM. Uh, or you can use actual hardware like a PLC and maybe... Uh, set up some um, inputs or some I.O. that you can use to actually simulate the uh, actual sensors. Uh, and then after we do, after we're done with that, normally we will have a test environment or a test client that we can use out in the field. So the test environment would normally consist of a test cell and the test cell can basically do most of the basic functions of the line. It simulates um, as much of the line as possible. Um, and then after that, we'll actually pick a line that's, um, it's production critical, but not critical in the sense that it'll stop production. So we'll pick an area that we can, um, actually have a real world IO, um, mm -hmm. uh, make the, make the actual, uh, Connections, or well, not necessarily connections, but make the actual interaction. It's like a live sandbox. So it's 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 like a sandbox. But for the most part, when you start commissioning, you'll pull the actual uh, backup from the uh, processor, take that instance, um, put it into uh, say Siemens Semantic Manager, and uh, Look at what you need to change, make a few changes, and then you, like I say, you'll lose, use either PLC SIM or you will, uh, maybe you'll write a script or something that can simulate some of these things inside of the PLC itself. But for us, we also use hardware, but it's hardware on the bench mm -hmm. first. Then we will go to the actual uh, test cell, test environment, then to the production environment. Now, when you guys do like a rollout test, I know for us, when we do a rollout test, we kind of bring everybody in. You know, we do a, a full-blown test, you know, ranging from, you know, production members to, you know, maintenance members to, 
you know, fellow IT members that are having to come in on the weekends and do some, some ramp up and roll out, you know, requirements, you know, to make sure the system's up and running. Um, how do y'all handle, you know, the manpower for a, for deployment? So for us, the way we handle it, normally there is a, uh, meeting for any changes. So it'll be like a automatic, I mean, an automation change request. And then we'll meet with production and, uh, either they will present some concerns or we will present some concerns and we'll talk about it and, uh, evaluate the risk. Once the risk has been evaluated, we'll meet in the middle of the week. We'll have a weekend uh, activity meeting, uh, documenting everything that's uh, su suggested to be done. Uh, and normally that's approved in that meeting, but uh, we also have to keep in mind that it's around the production schedule. So if there is not production, then it's possible. If there is production, then it's not possible, unless it's production critical. If it's production critical, you have a window that you're allowed it, and from that allotted window, you uh, stage the uh, work. And stage the work means you have the controls engineer involved, you have the POC specialists involved, you have the maintenance technicians involved, you inform production where you'll be performing the work, and you also bring production in to actually start the line back up and verify that uh, functionality has not been lost and that production can still be maintained. So it's kind of like our production UAT in the grand scheme of things. You know, we kind of do the same thing. And, you know, every every department, you know, when they do changes, you know, be it IT, OT, you know, main suppliers, you know, um, or vendors for that matter. You know, I know that you'll see, you know, on Tuesdays, you know, Patch Tuesday from Windows, you know, they send out their patch deployments that they like to do every week. Um, so, you know, that we, we see that hit, you know, we see that incrementally hit, stuff like that. And, you know, from the IT standpoint, we can do that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, very easy for us to do that if we really wanted to. But, you know, we like to make sure that we have everything in a row that we need tested, operational, before we decide to, you know, move down that particular food chain of a deployment. Because the logistics of it is, you know, kind of a pain because you're, you're having to, you know, organize all these people and stuff like that and bring them all together, have multiple meetings to discuss the, the reasoning for this. And at any point in time, somebody can say, I don't want to do it. Or we have other, you know, priorities that we're trying to hit or somebody doesn't want to work on a weekend or, or whatnot. But, you know, that's here nor there. Now, you know, if you're doing, working with a system that is, for example, a SaaS product, um, software as a service product, you know, it can update you, you're not even knowing about it. You know, it, it could be, you can, they can have a deployment on a, on a Friday night with no one there and it runs on its own because it's part of like the DevOps uh, uh, pipeline. And that's a topic that we'll get to at a later date. But, you know, if you start talking about that type of pipeline, everything's in the cloud. So as you spin up one instance, you're spinning down the other. It's kind of like, you know, some people do their deployments in Docker, you know, where you'll have the entire system built in a Docker container, the newest version. So you bring down the old version, spin up the new version, and your deployment's done. Verify it works and it's done. It's kind of, you know, hardware independent at that point. So it's kind of like, you know, that type of stuff, you know, for us, it's a little bit of a, an interesting world. I guess you could say there's multiple different spectrums 
of uh, software deployments? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I assume in the near future that there will be POC as a service. Yeah, in the cloud. I can see that. Um, because I can see the um, industry 3.0 uh, way of programming POCs will become um, annotated or mm-hmm. or will become obsolete because with industry 4.0 uh, what you're able to do is if I'm able to just have a few resources out in the field and each resource has some intelligence then I do not have to have a central processor controlling everything I can have my own POC as a service in my own cloud inside of my organization right so basically we're going back to what we started with with terminals Right, we're basically exactly. going back to, hey, you know what? That was always efficient to basically have a terminal, and you can go to the terminal and do what you need to do. So if I make each component smart and also self-aware. Right. Self-aware meaning um, plug one, I plug another one in, and say, hey, I'm no whatever. I get this IP address. Let's go. Right. You know, uh, and then also it, you can do things like, uh, it, if it's self-aware, it can say, hey, I'm experiencing a problem. I'm going to archive myself so yeah. that I have my latest state. I'm taking a snapshot. Snapshot, archive. So yeah. as soon as I fail, all the person has to do is bring another box, plug the box up, and the PLC as a service inside of your personal cloud or maybe you have a corporate cloud or h- however you want to uh, deal with the logistics of that. It just basically say, hey, Somebody plugged up in this this port. This port here is this IP address. Map the IP address. Put all the software there. Let's roll. Yeah. Do a, do a check. Check. Everything works. I ping. I'm good there. Hey, the, the program is correct. No changes have been done to the program. Go online. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I can see in the future when we're talking about uh, the cloud. That that's the benefit of the cloud, even for uh, industrial, excuse me, industrial control system. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, at that point, you can spin PLCs up and not have to worry about their, you know, updates or anything like that, or the versions. You know, you can have one version, you can take a version down and bring it back up as soon as a new version is available. And all you really have to do, you know, at, the, at your lower levels, has distributed IOs to be able to take to handle the rest of the work. You know, so you don't even have to worry about that, and then you pretty much have your um, uh, you know your HMIs on an iPad, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But you know, when you talk about deployments, you know, that's that makes life a whole lot easier. You know, especially when you talk about you know the the software as a service is probably one of the the best uh, pieces of software to look at when you're talking about like a software deli- software del- um, uh, software delivery lifecycle. Um, or and you know when you're looking at that type of stuff with the SDLC. You're kind of like looking at you know how it's set up and stuff like that but you know cloud you can jump from one cloud to another cloud to another cloud and update what you need however everything can be either dockerized or containerized so it uses less resources and it's you know a little bit faster for the customer and then you don't have to worry about having hardware on site you don't have to worry about it getting wet if there's a hurricane or anything like that like what we have to deal with um but you know that's here nor there and then you kind of go from 
you know, you make it really easy, less complicated. You have faster route for deployments. It's the best way to go. And, you know, with that, you know, we'll go ahead and uh, I'll leave the last words over to Ed. And uh, we hope you all have a good night. And we'll talk to you later. Ed? So uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, like I said, we would uh, like to challenge everyone that listens to the broadcast or the podcast to uh, take the opportunity to learn. Um, learn about some of these things with virtual commissioning and virtual machines and Docker and um, how software is deployed and uh, put your hands on it, touch it. Uh, you know, that's the best way to learn is to actually do those things. And as always, we appreciate uh, you guys tuning in and uh, all the support. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.